Hey, Josh. Welcome to the She Talks Too Much podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you agreed to be on this podcast. And before we get started, I just have to read off something. I was going to try to memorize it, but it's just too much. I just can't. So your gym's only been open for three years, correct? Three years. Okay. So in 2021, you won Best New Business and Best Fitness Facility. In 2022, you won Best Personal Trainer and Best Fitness Facility. And in 2023, you won Best Personal Trainer. That is incredible. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Thank you. So I feel like I have kind of a unique experience with this because I'm also a personal trainer and we have worked at the same gyms. Our our paths have crossed a few times. So I've been able to be a very small witness to your role and how you've created this and kind of where you were and where you've come from and things like that. But I want the audience to be able to hear your story. Like, where did you come from and how did you get from there to owning a gym and it being so successful? Okay. So my story starts about 12 years ago when it comes to health and fitness. I mean, I've always been into working out, but I graduated from university of South Carolina in 2012, 20, yeah, 2012. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I got a job, at a small gym, personal training, working with youth athletes. And then I transferred over to another gym and, and opened up a subsect there and then started working for that gym. And I did that for two years in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, ended up getting married, having a kid, moved to Aiken, South Carolina, where I started working at Savannah Riverside. Um, I've been there since 2016, I believe. No, 2014. Um, And then even after moving back here, my passion has always been health and fitness, working with people, um, trying to help people get healthier. So I started working at some small gyms, uh, worked in Barnwell, South Carolina for a little bit, started working in Aiken, hit about three gyms in Aiken, and then just finally decided to open up my own facility. Now, if I remember correctly, even when you were working at those gyms and doing things like you were even doing like free workouts in the park, right? Like I remember seeing those posted where you would go and I mean, and it was free, like you weren't charging, you were just like, come, let's work out. And um, so I think that's such an important part of your story is that, you know, you, you didn't just wake up being a gym owner that has all these awards like you you've put in the work you you've done the things that um most people today would look at and be like well i'm not taking time out of my day to give a free workout you know i've got a college degree i have all this experience so why did you do that why did you take the time to do free workouts instead of charging for them to me it was more so about building up a reputation um I wanted to help the people in the community around me, but also wanted to get my name out there as far as my quality of coaching. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of free stuff on Saturday mornings. I've given up a lot of weekends. Uh, and that's just part of who I am. Like, I don't mind doing it. I, I, I've got the ability. I've got the knowledge. And a lot of people don't. Uh, they don't have the knowledge to, to make themselves healthier. And so I felt like it was almost my responsibility to to try to reach out to the people of Aiken. And that's why I started doing those free classes. Um, I always had the goal of opening my own facility. And I knew that was kind of the first step is to get out there and meet the people, let them see who I am, what I'm all about. If I could sell myself to people in a park at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. um, then selling my training in a facility that's designed for it should be easy. Absolutely. And, you know, so I want to go back and talk about the fact that you have a really good job. Like for those of you who aren't from this area, Savannah Riverside is actually a really good place to work, good money, good benefits, good retirement. Um, A lot of people probably would have got that job and been like, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just do this and, and you know, everything is good. But you said, no, you wanted to start your own gym, even with the luxury of having such a good job. So what made you decide to still jump into that, even though you did have this other job? Yeah, my passion's always been 
with helping people, working as a trainer, helping people get healthy. And I do that to an extent on site. Um, I'm a fitness instructor on site as well. But being able to do my own thing, um, not having to answer to a time clock or a ball, set my own schedule, try to make it work from an entrepreneurial standpoint. My dad was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. And so just seeing the freedom that they had, you kind of, and a lot of people aren't built that way. A lot of people don't want freedom. They want the structure of having a nine to five job or working four tens and having three days off every single weekend. Me personally, I thrive off of almost like chaos. It seems like you know, I've got a 40 hour a week job at the site and then I run the gym and I coach at the gym, which is Lord knows how many hours a week I spend doing that, especially during the startup phase. And then I've got a wife, I've got two kids, um, two dogs, a brand new great Dane, but we just, I just enjoy almost being pushed to the point of where I'm uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, you force yourself to either grow or give up and get back in that comfort zone. Um, and so owning a gym or owning my own business, yeah, I plan on opening up more businesses at some point and they don't have to be gyms. I just, I like business. I was a business major for three years while I was in college before I changed to health and fitness. Um, and just that, that concept of, of trying to sell something, see where you can take a product or where you can take a service that just intrigues me. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, I, I feel like because I own my own business, so I understand that entrepreneurial spirit, um, you, you never get, you're never content. Like you get what you want, you work hard, and then it's like, what can I do next? What can I do next? And like for me, the thought of having a nine to five job makes me want to crawl out of my skin. Like I, and you know, it's funny because people are like, oh, well, if you own your own business, you can set your own hours. You can. But not really, because you are you're designed to, you know, for your customers or your clients and things like that. But, you know, you when you have that entrepreneurial mindset, which not everybody has, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to do the nine to five and nothing wrong with that. It's just two different types of people. Um, so when you have that entrepreneurial like desire, it, it doesn't matter how comfortable your life is. You want to be uncomfortable. You want to be challenged. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100 percent. Um, like I said, I thrive off the chaos. I do not like being in a bubble or trapped or just, I, I, I survive and I do a lot better whenever I'm pushed outside of my box. Um, and that goes with anything, whether it comes with like training for a race, training for a competition, when it comes to business, when it comes to raising kids, I like to be pushed. And then because being pushed, like I said, you end up finding out what you're made of. Um, yeah. and that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge thing for me personally. Um, I want to be a success story. Yeah. And I think when you have that mindset, it naturally flows over to the people around you. So when you're the person that walks in the room and you naturally push yourself without realizing it, you're causing everyone else in the room to level up without even having to say a word because you know, that, that type of lifestyle and that type of mindset, like you just don't settle. And, and when you walk in the room, people know, okay, you know, we got to step up our game um, without you having to do or say anything, which is pretty cool. Um, so you decided to open this gym in the middle of a pandemic, not even the middle of the pandemic, at the beginning when we didn't have a clue what was going on. Like it was businesses were shutting down left and right. You know, people were scared. People were hunkering down. And you're like, I, I actually vividly remember the post where I think you might have been in a bank or something or you it was something where you posted that you were going to start a gym in a pandemic. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So tell us that story. Why did you decide to do it then? Um, it was just bad timing on my part. But the end of 2019, December 2019, I came up with a, a gym name I was driving to the beach or something and I was like just thinking and constantly thinking about what I was going to do I knew I wanted to open up a business at some point my friends kept pushing me and kept saying you know if you don't jump now when are you going to do it and you know, stop being a little baby just go ahead and do something 
because um, everybody kind of knows, people who know me know what my mindset is. And it's not a, a secret. I don't try to hide anything from anybody ever. Um, so I'm constantly thinking about business and, and, and doing stuff along those lines. And then 2019 hits and I finally decided to get the LLC. Uh, in January was when I finalized my LLC. March was when I found a space. And then beginning of March, I signed my lease. A week later, after signing the lease, the country got shut down. You know, I knew COVID was a thing. I had heard about it on the news. I don't watch the news just because it's so negative. Um, and I don't like filling my head with negative space or negative news. And I figured it was just uh, another outbreak of SARS or swine flu or whatever hot topic item was going to be the, the media agenda that day. And then like literally as soon as I signed the, signed the lease, it's like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Cause I knew that I was about to finally do it. And then the next week they shut everything down and fitness centers were one of the biggest targets in South Carolina, you know, any kind of health and beauty where you had to be close with people. Um, so I was like, well, shoot, that was a terrible terrible timing. Um, luckily, whenever I signed the lease, I was able to negotiate three months of rent abatement. So I didn't have to pay rent three months. And I planned on using that time to, to nest egg and, and sell memberships and sell the facility and sell my training and then build for three months. That way I could pay my bills. Um, luckily after about three months of the pandemic, South Carolina opens up fitness centers again and it's on a limited capacity. And luckily we were just opening up. So we we're pretty limited anyways. And then I try to push the envelope a little bit. You know, I think they allowed like five people per thousand square feet to start. Um, and we might've had 10 or 12, but this, you know, to me it was, it, the risk was worth the reward in that sense because I, I knew that even with the pandemic, the response I was getting off Facebook and Instagram from people that knew me, knew of me, people I had no clue who they were. They were interested in breaking back out of their homes and seeing people again and working with people again. Um, and the way we do things is different. We don't own just a, a gym where somebody can come in and you can work out on your own. You're going to take a class and you're going to be around people and it's going to be an intimate setting because you might be sharing dumbbells with somebody. You might be sharing a, a rope with somebody. You might be on a, a piece of cardio equipment that somebody just got off of. And we did our best to, to minimize the risk. So we did wipe everything down. We sanitized everything. Um, but what I found out is people didn't care. Like they finally got to the point where they stopped caring as much. And if they did care, they just didn't join the gym. Yeah. But people that joined the gym legitimately just wanted to forget about how crappy life had been the last three months. And so I think I hit it at the right time. I've got a lot of friends and people who opened businesses in 2019 and earlier, like you said, who shut down during those three months. Um, but being able to reopen or open the gym as the country and the, the, the town of Aiken reopens itself to me, it was kind of like, Hey, Aiken, you're free to go back out and do stuff in the general public. Why don't you come check us out? Cause we're just opening up too. So, yeah, and I think that you opening the doors during that time, it wasn't just you know, oh, I'm providing a place to work out. You are actually creating a community that people were craving because they weren't going anywhere. You know, you couldn't go anywhere, so you allowed for them to have that sense of community and bonding and conversation that they were lacking which also helped with their mental health, probably helped them move through the pandemic because especially during that time, you know, it was tough. Um, even if you were not directly affected by getting sick or knowing someone that was sick, I know people whose jobs were affected. I know people who, you know, their kids had to be home with them because of school. So it was like having, having the ability to go somewhere and experience that community, I'm sure, I'm sure helped in more ways than you could ever imagine. So it probably didn't seem like it was good timing at first, but I think it was actually perfect timing, you know, looking back hindsight's 2020, you know? Right. So in terms of you starting your business, I know you said that you took some bit, you had three years of business, but 
were you actually prepared to open your business? Do you feel prepared or do you wish someone would have given you a little bit more advice or taught you something else before you did it? No, I was 100% unprepared. Um, I just kind of, and that's how I, how I do things. I, you can ask anybody, the people who know me closest know that I'm notorious for making terrible decisions. Um, whether it be, you know, staying up all night before running a 5k the next day or mm. overstretching myself or, or stretching myself too thin on scheduling. Um, I just, I, I just, I'm, it's just, it's just who I am really. Um, and I, I got, like I said, I thrive off that kind of stuff, but no, I was not prepared at all to open up a business. Um, I knew the gym aspect of it. I've been in a lot of gyms and I've worked in a lot of gyms and I've made sales for a lot of gyms. But when it comes to like opening a business, it's a whole other world. Um, I knew a little bit from, from business school at university of South Carolina, but outside of that Google and reaching out to people who I had no clue who they were, they had no clue who I was, but just other successful people reaching out to them and saying, Hey, this is kind of where I'm at. This is where I want to be. How would you suggest getting there? Or how did you get from point A to point B? Um, and that was, you know, that was the biggest, the biggest helper for me is just having the, the gall to reach out to other people and say, I'm new, I'm naive, I may be slightly stupid for doing this, but this is where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and it's worked out, so. Yeah. And I think, you know, having, you know, removing the pride and reaching out to other people is such a solid piece of advice because I feel like, especially our generation and younger, like, at least in my experience, I've never had someone tell me they're not going to give me advice. Like, it's, it, it seems like, people now i don't believe it's always been like that i do think that there there was a generation where they were gatekeeping the information they're like nope you figure it out i put in the work you put in the work too but i feel like it's also a rising tide lifts all shifts like even if we're not even in the same business you know being able to exchange ideas it just makes everyone better and so you know being a new business owner being willing to say i don't know everything i don't know where to start and reaching out sometimes is the best thing that you can do, but you got to put your pride aside to be able to do it. Oh yeah, 100%. So because you are in fitness, we're going to, I'm going to ask some fitness questions, some, you know, nutrition questions to kind of get your idea or, or get your insight on it. Um, from a female perspective, whenever, you know, I'm on Instagram or social media, and this is not just me, this is most females that, you know, especially ones that I talk to I feel like there's two different camps when it comes to fitness for women. You have the camp of women can lift weights all day, every day, doesn't matter the day of the week, lift heavy, run hard, whatever. And then you have the camp of you need to cycle sync your workouts. You have to base it around your cycle. Some weeks you go hard, some weeks you don't. And both of them, the camps, the people that talk about it are very loud. Like there's no mix. It's either one or the other. You can't do both. So what is your, what is your opinion on like how a woman should approach fitness and how does someone navigate social media when you're being told from people with degrees and certifications that both one way is better than the other? What do you do? Once again, it's kind of like, what we just talked about, totally different circumstance, but reach out to people who have done it. Um, somebody like me, right now I work with probably 90 to 100 different females on a weekly basis. Um, and that's personally work with them, write their workouts, help them get their nutrition in order. Never once have I tried to cycle sync a workout. And I'm not saying that that's wrong um, and I'm not saying that lifting weights every single day and, and running as hard as you can every single day is the way to go. My biggest philosophy is listen to your body more times than not do something, um, regardless if you feel like it or not, the effort you put in is always going to be the biggest factor. Um, of course, most women are going to have some sort of issue periodically throughout a month. Um, 
and during that time frame, they may not feel like themselves. They may be a little bit more bloated, or they may be more tired, or they may just be just not feeling it. Um, and if that's the case, listen to your body. If you don't feel like working out that day, I'm never one to say, get your butt in the gym. You got to work out. Um, if you don't feel it that day and you feel like rest is what your body needs, your body's telling you you need to rest. Um, I do try to push for more weightlifting as much as possible, uh, regardless of, of gender. But it is very important, in my opinion, for women to strength train at least three days a week. And that's a multitude of strength training exercises. I don't necessarily plan workouts around an individual's cycle or anything like that. But if I do have a member or a client that comes to me and says, hey, I know the workout says this, but I'm not really feeling this today. What else can we do instead? I will 100% change a workout on the fly for anybody at any time just to make sure they get a positive benefit out of the workout instead of trying to do something their body doesn't want them to do. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I feel like I know when I first started, when I first got my uh, certification, it was the go hard or go home mentality. Like it didn't matter how you felt. You showed up. If you were sick, running a fever, it didn't matter. You showed up or if you couldn't give 100 percent. You go home and um, people went home and they didn't come back. And so I think it's important to have the conversation of listening to your body and showing up in whatever way you can that day. Um, but I feel like that's just, there's no nuance in fitness anymore. It's just, you are in this camp or this camp, there's no in, in between. And so, um, so basically you would say your advice is lift weights and show up and do what you can in the capacity that your body will allow for that day. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So when it comes to training children, um, you have two boys, I have two boys, and I know you do a lot with children in the community. How do you balance teaching them how to be healthy with food and exercise without, without making it to where they develop a disordered eating or body dysmorphia? How, how do you balance that? So I'm going to answer that in two different ways. Um, when it comes to dealing with general population, children in that population uh, that are not my own, I typically start at home with the parents. Um, I'll ask the parents, what are the kids eating on a regular basis? Because kids don't get a say a lot of times in where their source of food comes from. Uh, if a parent brings a child to me and the child is overweight, morbidly obese, out of shape, um, not athletic, and they just seem like they're not living a healthy lifestyle. That's not on the kid. That's on the, that's on the, the surroundings of the child. So I try to address that without stepping on too many toes. It's hard to tell somebody that they need to change their lifestyle for the betterment of their child and make them see that they're the problem, kind of. Um, and not even that they're the problem. They just they don't know any better. It's just easy to go to McDonald's. Um, it's when it comes to training the children, the kids are easy. Kids are receptive. Um, they're like little sponges. They soak up everything. And they prefer to work with a coach or with a trainer outside of listening to their parents say, you need to eat X, Y, Z. Typically, when it comes to me looking at a kid and saying, hey, have you had three fruits today? How about, what did your lunch look like? Well, next time, let's try to add in strawberries instead of chips or let's try to add in blueberries instead of, of xyz um they, they respond well to that and a lot of times they'll go to their parents and their parents will shoot me a text and say thank you so much but now i've got to go to the grocery store or something like that just but it's kids are receptive and they're very very hard on themselves in 2023 since well since 2020 being a kid has been a lot more difficult than any other generation before because every, their whole world changed at a very young age. They had to learn about things that kids shouldn't have to deal with. And then, so I take that mental aspect over into the health and fitness side of it. You know, a lot of kids missed out on that playtime that they would get with their neighborhood friends. Um, they get out, they get, they lost out on the, the organized sport 
because COVID shut down two years of it. And so I just try to give that back to the kids. So we, we play games. I teach them how to jump rope or, or whatever. Um, when it comes to my own kids, that's a whole other story because your kids never think that the parent is what they are. You know, my kids know I own a gym. They know I'm a personal trainer. They know I love to work out and go for runs and, and do any sort of physical activity. Um, but there's always their YouTube star that they watch that, that knows more than dad does. Or, and so training your own kid or teaching your own kid right from wrong um, when it comes to health and fitness, that's just, to me, I'm still learning. And I've, I've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. Um, but I just try my best to let them see me do it when it comes to my children. If they see me live a healthy lifestyle, they're going to pick it up. Um, in some form or fashion, they may not do everything the same way that I would like them to do it. But if they know that on Sundays we walk the dog two miles in the neighborhood, they might not know that there's a, an agenda for me walking two miles. They just know that we're outside walking. Uh, we play organized sport as much as possible. And I just try to let them see me lead a positive example and just pray that it sticks with them. Yeah. Is, is, you're exactly right. Like, you know, you can be the expert in anything, but when you're the parent, you know, until they get to a certain age, you know, we're stupid. What do we know? Right. Um, so what is your opinion of children who play the same sport year round? And if you could speak to parents right now, if you had an audience of parents and those kids played the same sport year round, what would you tell them? Uh, play it to me is just not smart. Um, and I've talked to a lot of parents and it's, huge in the baseball community, more so than anything else. I know a lot of soccer athletes that I work with do the same thing. Um, but baseball dads are probably the worst population of sport parent just because that there's so much to do year round for baseball. Um, you know, football is not quite as bad. Soccer is pretty bad. So there's a bunch of club leagues, but if you're doing a year round specialization of sport, at an early age, you're not going to develop fully like most other kids would who get a wider variety of, of sport and exercise. Um, if I'm sitting here hitting a baseball and throwing a baseball all year round, and that's all I'm doing is throwing baseballs, hitting baseballs and running bases and running back and forth, chasing the ball. That's different than running on a court, on a basketball court, where you've got to have so much lateral movement, agility back and forth. Um, you're not developing the power that you would like from a football or a rugby. It's just you're hindering the kid in the long run. And I get a lot of parents that I've talked to who have kids that do school baseball, then travel ball. And then if they're not doing travel ball and school ball, they're in some sort of academy working on baseball-specific training. Um, and their mindset is if my kid's not doing it now at seven, eight, nine years old, and somebody else's kid is doing it, then that kid's going to have a leg up and have a, a, a better chance to play at a higher level, whether that higher level be middle school, high school, college. Very, very few kids are going to make it pro anyway, so that's, I don't even have that conversation with people. Um, they think their kid's going to get left behind. When in reality, if you look at a lot of the top athletes in the world, they're They've got a, a variety of background. You know, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Played football, played baseball, played basketball, played track. He did a little bit of everything. Um, and that's the same thing for pretty much any high-level athlete. They're well-rounded, and that's what makes them a great athlete. They're not focused on one specific thing all the time. Um, and so my biggest piece of advice to those parents is let your kids be kids. Let them play what they want to play. If they want to wrestle, they want to play baseball, football, whatever, just let them get that experience. Yeah. So for the parents who say, I hear you, but I'm still going to make my, my kids are still going to do uh, baseball year round. What do they do to make their child more well-rounded? Or is there no, is it like one or the other? From my experience, they're not going to, they're not going to listen to, if they're not going to listen to my advice on that or somebody else's advice on, on that, 
they're most likely not going to, to go the extra mile to do anything else. Um, if you don't do anything else and you're so focused on having your kid prepare for this one sport, I, my personal advice is to get them a personal trainer. If you're going to invest this much into that child, instead of letting their coaches teach them health and fitness or trying to let them learn at school from underqualified professionals in a school weight room, if you're going to drop that money on that kid, you might as well get them a personal trainer who can specialize and develop a program for the kid. And that way they are getting more well-rounded. They're able to lift weights properly and learn properly. And that's, and a lot of parents will do that. I, mean, I work with a lot of kids one-on-one. Um, but it's just, it's a, that's another financial obligation that you got to pay for, for an already expensive sport. Yeah. But that is great advice though. I mean, like that's, you know, if you've got a family and they're like, look, we're, we're in this, we're committed, we're year round, you know, you're saying, okay, well, if you're not going to put them in any other store, they need to have a personal trainer that is going to, because I, I imagine there's developmental problems that could come in place as well when you're simply doing the same movements over and over and over again. So they need to strengthen and do things differently and having a trainer, like you said, who is qualified, let me like say that, who is qualified to do that, um, that's that's great advice. And I, and I hope, you know, people take that because I think that would, that would help the child in leaps and bounds in the future. Um, so I kind of want to switch things up. So we, we've talked about your business, we've talked about health and fitness, but I want to talk about mental health. And the reason why I want to talk about mental health is because you are very vocal about mental health on social media. And for, for a man, that is very rare, especially when you first started talking about it. Um, you know, you could have very easily, you know, I'm going to let you talk and share your story and why you did that. But you could have very easily just kind of dealt with it in the shadows, moved through it with, with your family, with your closest friends and kind of did that and never once put anything on social media and, and you would have been known as like the trainer, the gym owner, the husband, all this, but you chose to speak openly about mental health. Why did you do that? So a little background on me, even before graduating college, um, I lost my father in 2011 to suicide and it was a complete blindside. Uh, I had no idea how sick he was, um, had no idea that that was even a possibility. And me being 22 at the time, I was 22, um, I'd never known anybody that had been through anything like it. Um, and to me, my father was the person who got me into sports, got me into working out, got me into exercise. Um, I saw him do those things, but I never once saw the struggle that he was going through because he, men hide it so well. And there's a stigma behind it. And ever since then, I realized how serious it was. And it took me a long time. Um, like I said, that happened in 2011. I probably didn't start sharing my experience for at least another four or five years. Um, and that's because I was trying to deal with my own crap. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to process what I had been through and I'd never been a depressed person or an anxious person a day in my life prior to that. Um, very happy, go lucky, very life of the party, very outgoing, all those things. And then my entire life just got flipped upside down. Um, and it was just, it was extremely difficult for me to try to wrap my head around it. Um, I went through a lot of different stages of, of anger and just trying to like figure out why he did what he did and uh, did a lot of reading and a lot of listening on, on mental health topics and it helps you realize how common it is. I mean, suicide's one of the top three killers for men in America. Um, it's just, and nobody, and you think about the statistics of it, and you don't hear anything about it. Like, why is, this, why is it not more prevalent for somebody to say, 
hey, man, if you need somebody to talk to him, here. Like, people just don't do it. And so I started doing it, you know, typically around dates whenever I was feeling some kind of way. Like, Christmas, always hard. Birthdays, always hard. Father's Day, very difficult. The anniversary date of his death, the probably the hardest day of my year every single year. Um, and it's coming up in another week or so. But it's just on those days I decided to one time get on Facebook and made a post about it. Because I felt like people needed to know, not my story. It, I, people care less about what Josh is going through on Facebook. But people need to know, hey, this is a thing. Men are dying every single day in silence and they're hurting and they won't help and don't know how to ask for help. And I found myself in that same, that same scenario after going through it with my father, it brought up anxiety in, in me. It brought up depression in me and it was directly stemmed from his depression, but it was, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And that was another thing that kept me in the gym. The only place I could really find any kind of solace or, or, or peace is if I had headphones in and I was lifting weights and just doing the things that took my mind off of it. And I could go to the gym for two hours a night and I wouldn't have to worry about thinking about the previous crap that's going on in my head. Uh, but it wasn't healthy. I didn't deal with it a healthy way at all. I've always been a very bottled up feeling type of person, still am, but I would do anything in the world to help anybody who's feeling that way feel better. And so that's kind of why I started posting. Um, and then it's just kind of grown from there. You know, people kind of see it and they say, yeah, I got more private messages than people who were even willing to comment on the post. Like, and it, and to me, that's, that's another tale of, why this thing is so stigmatized because I'd have guys reach out to me on private messenger and say, Hey man, thinking about, you, you know, you're going through a lot. If you ever need anything, I'm here. Um, I know what you're dealing with. I deal with the same thing, but they're not willing to put it out there on social media, on a public platform. They still keep it private. And I'm, extremely proud of those people for reaching out and even saying anything in a private message. Um, and that's kind of what my biggest thing for, for doing it was, was if my dad was dealing with it and I didn't know about it and then I started dealing with it and most people who know me had no clue about any of my past, my struggles, whatever. It's somebody somewhere is hurting and needs help. And if it saves one person from going over the edge and, and, and doing something drastic and leaving their family behind or anything along those lines, if it helps one person, it's worth it. I've, um, I think that that's, yeah. And I mean, I, anytime that I see you post those things, you know, I, I hope when I'm reading them that people are reaching out to you because I think it just takes one person, one man to step up and say, this does not need to be stigmatized. Like men suffer with this more or with multiple, multiple things, not necessarily suicidal thoughts, but just mental health in general. They suffer with that more than people realize. So for you to stand up and be like, I'm standing up, I'm talking about this. And every time I see you post stuff like that, I'm like, I hope men are reaching out to you because like I, my father passed away three years ago. I've dealt with um, a cousin who died by suicide. And while my father did not die by suicide, he died of substance abuse. And it was a slow suicide. He was, he was, I mean, depressed, everything that you can imagine. But one thing that really struck me was I was told, because I was the one that found him, I was the one, you know, all the things. And I tried leading up to that. I was actively trying to help. And someone told me after he passed away, and I don't know if they were saying this to try to make me feel better about myself, but they were like, you are a female. You would not be able to get to him. And that just, 
that I, I still struggle making sense of that. But the more I'm further away from it, I get it. Like, I'm like, okay, I, I, I see what that person was trying to say. So as some, you know, like I'm married, I'm a mom of two boys. I have two brothers. So if you're speaking to females right now, how can the spouse, the mom, the sister, the daughter, how can we support the men in our life and the mental health, even if we don't know if we have, and I'm not talking about someone who has come out and said they're struggling. I'm talking about the men that don't talk about it. How do we support them in that way? Like I said, it's hard because most men who struggle don't show a whole lot of signs. Um, and they're definitely not going to come out and say, Hey, I'm hurting, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm whatever. And so it's just trying to pick up on the signs of it. And everybody displays it differently. Um, but encourage, encouraging guys to be around other guys, to me, is a huge thing because a guy's going to open up differently around his friend set of guys than he would around even his mother and his spouse. It's just a different bravado that gets brought up. Um, and having that male camaraderie and having a group of guys you can go to, you know, whether it be a, you know, a golf trip on the weekends, whether it be a home group with your church, guys need guys. And I'm not saying that women cannot help men because they 100% can. Um, when I went through everything I went through, I probably got more help and peace from my wife and some of her friends who were females just being there. Um, and even if you can't make sense of it, being there for somebody, spending time with somebody, that's going to help them out whether they want to admit it or not. Um, but every guy's just so different. You know, if you've got somebody who's not willing to, to let you know or let you in, um, I've been very stonewalled my entire life. I've always been a, a, a centerpiece for strength and solitude for my family, um, whether it be from the substance abuse I saw as a kid or the you know, physical abuse I saw as a kid, a lot of those things. And so I just... I never had time to, to deal with emotions myself because I was always trying to console somebody else. Um, and I was probably shielded from a lot of stuff that I could have seen as a kid. Uh, I still saw more than any kid probably should see. And it just, it's, it's hard. It, life's hard for everybody. Um, bills pile up. Dads see themselves as the person who needs to be the primary breadwinner of a family, regardless if it's 2023, and that's not the, the mantra of most families nowadays. The man of the house, in my opinion, is almost always going to see themselves as the provider. Um, and so, and if something goes wrong, they put it on themselves. If, if a bill goes unpaid, um, if they think that something bad is going to happen to their family. They're the protector. They're the provider. Um, but as far as like women stepping up and stepping in and trying to help out, you know, their friends, their husbands, their boyfriends, father, whatever it might be, their son. Um, the biggest thing you can do is just aggravate them about it. Just, just keep going. Uh, Cause if you think something's wrong, there's probably something wrong. Um, yes. and, and just, just keep pushing, try to get them into a church, try to get them into some sort of help group. If nothing else, and it's your husband, try to hang out with your friend and her spouse or her boyfriend and give him a friend group to try to, try to mingle with. Um, and I say these things and I hate when my wife does these things, but <laughs> it's, it's just part, I mean, it's just part of it. You just. Guys need guys, and but guys also need support from their their females, their their mothers, their daughters, their their spouse, whatever it might be. And if you just let them know that you appreciate it, you see how hard they're working, you see that hey, this this portion of our life might not be perfect, 
but the beautiful thing about life is is it comes in season, it comes in waves, and, and it's going to pass at some point, and it's going to get better. And, hell, it may get worse, but at some point, the tides are going to turn. Yeah. And I think being, and I know especially with my boys, being there to listen. Like, to listen more than you talk. And that's like, and I'm not necessarily, you know, I think when you're dealing with men as opposed to boys, it's different. Um, but, you know, just always letting them know this is, this is a safe space. Like, no one's going to know. Um, that could also be another thing because, like, I've realized, because men and women are so different, and the way that I move through sadness and move through grief is going to be completely different than how a man would. And I have to realize that. Like, my role sometimes is just to step back and be like, I appreciate you. I'm here. And But the part about getting men with men, I cannot tell you how important that is because I mean, just from like even an evolutionary standpoint, men were with men. They they hunted together. They did all the things together. Men need the men camaraderie, and um, they will open up more to men than they will to a, a spouse. Or and that's okay. For me, I had to realize that's okay. That's how it's supposed to, be, and let that happen. Um, so I want to like I want to finish. I know you have a lot going on. I want to wrap this up. Um, but I do want to end with like some fun things, if that's okay. Um, yes. I, we were talking about some heavy stuff, uh, but I do want to end with some fun things. So do you know who dude with a sign is? Yeah. On social media? Okay. If you had to do a sign and it can be about anything, doesn't have to be about fitness, business, whatever. What would you have on your sign? Uh, probably just shut up and listen. Just... Oh yeah. That's like people love to be heard and it drives me up the wall when people just want to talk to hear themselves talk. Um, when people learn so much more, if you actually just like sit down and listen, have a conversation instead of thinking, you know, everything and trying to, to push your, your thoughts or your, your agenda on somebody. Um, just if you shut up and listen, man, because if you, if you learn from somebody else, it's crazy how much happier life is when you start to like listen to people and have that that, that conversation. Absolutely, that's that's great. That's solid solid advice there. So, what are you um what are you currently listening to, reading, podcast? What are what is filling your cup right now? Um, I, I'm boring. I listen to podcasts about entrepreneurship and businesses, health and fitness. Uh, Jocko, I listen to a bunch of Jocko podcasts, um, just men being men type things. Uh, mm-hmm. I read a bunch of military novel type stuff. Um, once again, just toxic masculinity stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it should be. You know, that's great. What, are, what book are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading the spark in the grind. Uh, it's a entrepreneurial book about a, a guy who used to work for uh, Whole Foods and then just his process and his thought process on you've got sparkers and you've got grinders and as far as business goes and then you've got that special breed of person who can build a spark and push the grind at the same time. and so basically what it's saying is you've got sparkers, they're ideas people. Like they come up and they'll, you know, X, Y, Z sounds like a great idea. Um, this sounds great. This sounds great. This sounds great. But they don't have any kind of motivation to push it. And then you've got grinders who are just go-hards and it doesn't matter what they want to do. They just freaking do it. Mm-hmm. And, but they don't have an idea about what they want to do. But it doesn't matter what they do. They're going to work hard. And then, like I said, that special group that just – has the idea and has the the wherewithal to know where to push it and know how to get that grind going. Um, I just resonate with that, so that's that's what I'm reading right now. I'm gonna have to read that. That sounds really good. That reminds me of the um, the Tim Grover book, Relentless. Have you ever read that? Mm-hmm. Um, excellent, excellent book. He's uh, he's a trainer for a lot of professional basketball players like Dwayne Ray, Dwayne Wade and Kobe and all them, and he talks about like 
you know, being a closer. It, it's just, it's a great book. I actually read it once a year because it's just so, it's got so much in it. Um, well, I will not hold you up anymore, but tell people where they can find you. Where can they find your gym? How can they follow you? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, Facebook and Instagram. That's our two main feeds right now. I'm in the process. We've got a website being built, but we've got some hopeful expansion ideas. I'm trying to hold off on the, the website itself. Um, but Facebook, Unrivaled Fitness, Aiken on Facebook. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook, Josh Bowen. And then Instagram, you've got Unrivaled Fitness Aiken on Instagram, and then Unrivaled Coach Josh on Instagram as well. And pretty much on all my feeds, except my personal Facebook, you're going to see just gym-related stuff, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be running a 5K or half marathon or doing a CrossFit competition. Um, you'll see workout snips from Unrivaled Fitness itself, uh, different promotions and stuff along those lines. And then on my personal stuff, you're just going to see you know, wife, kids, dogs, workout stuff still because that's just what I do. Um, but you can always find me on those. Any message on those platforms goes directly to me. Uh, um, I wanted to make myself available to all my members at all times. And, um, so that may be changing at some point in the future as well. But as of right now, the phone number you get there is direct, a direct link to me. And y'all have a new merch drop too, don't you? New hats and cups and stuff also? Yeah, so right now, um, that's why as soon as I leave here, that's where I'm going. Uh, we try to do as much merchandise as possible, koozies, hats, shirts, cups, um, just the, the basic stuff, cool design stuff. Um, the shirt I've got on is a, a pretty typical design for us, just unravel across the front, logo on the back. But we're trying to trying to delve into some new territory, so... Uh, I got some hats I'm picking up today. Got some cups I'm about to leave and go pick up now. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get some merch, just message me on that as well. Well, I appreciate your time and best of luck with everything you have in the future. I know you're going to continue to expand and grow, and I can't wait to watch it. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me.